you need to get your sausages in a row to save nine. That doesn't mean anything. Bitch manners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. Ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm well. Yeah, yeah. Good night's sleep. Yeah, not bad. Good. Uh, a little stuffy. A little stuffy. Is who, who isn't these days? Oh, these days. Oh, everyone's got the snuffle up. I guess it's the snuffies. So... We're talking another about idioms. I think this is idiom episode six. I believe so. And the thing is, y'all keep sending them, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. So do yeah. it. Keep sending them. Yeah. Because I think the the way that we speak, the way that we communicate, really does kind of shape our what is it? Our relationship with the world. Well, so, so I, we, you, I particularly use a lot of idioms in my life, and it's important. That we know what they mean because I've used some of these and found myself surprised. Well, and not just that. I, I have uh, recently been trying to learn French as best I can. It mm-hmm. is a, there's, a, I would say, a beautiful language with a bizarre set of rules. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like a lot of those rules are a lot more straightforward in English, except when it comes to like uh, turns of phrases, right? right? Where it's just like, wait. What does that mean? Like we have so many sayings mm-hmm. that we just take for granted the kind of quote unquote inherent meaning to them. Exactly. And when you actually look at them for longer than two seconds, they don't mean anything. All right. So Indeed. give me the first one. Mm-hmm. Here's just the give first me the phrase. I'll try to tell you what it means. All right. This was suggested by Kaya. Three sheets to the wind. Okay. So this is your drunk. Mm-hmm. I know that. There's yes. there's a great show hosted by Zane Lamprey where he would go to different countries and kind of experience their drinking culture. So, mm-hmm. like, if they had a local, like, liquor or, like, if they had, like, hangover cures or, like, drinking games or whatever, he would go and it was kind of a travel show slash drinking show. It was called Three Sheets. Yes. I have no idea why it's that. Oh, I'm okay. Gonna, can I, I guess? That, okay, I'm going to guess sure. it's a sailing thing. It sure is. Okay. Uh, but you need to know exactly what the sheet is. The sail? Nope. Oh, see, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, I did too. So a sheet actually refers to the rope or chain that is attached to the bottom corner of a sail. So this was a rigging that was vital to keeping the sail in place. And if it became undone or, quote, lost to the wind, Uh the sail would be at the mercy of the wind and, you know, go off course. Okay, so... If all three of your sheets are to the wind, I guess, you're just wobbling all over the place. Exactly. And it would stagger around the sea, perhaps like a drunken sailor. I see. See, I always, I would have assumed it was like about the sheet is the sail and the wind is blowing it all over, I guess. But this makes a lot more sense. It does, actually. In in the way that I never thought that... A sale didn't make sense, but when you hear the one that is right, it's yeah. like, of course that's right. Yeah, of course that's right. Of course that's right. Okay, what's the next one? Next one is suggested by Alex because she's you, a Alex. she's a curious kid. Yeah, K 
cash. I mean, she's a full-blown adult, but I understand. Well, I, yes. Cash cow. Cash cow. Okay, now I know a cash cow is like, uh, so if you wanted to think about it, like a cash cow would be like, you know, Nike, for example, right? They have suit, like, you know, sweatsuits and clothing and a lot of branding, but the cash cow is like the shoes, I think. Is it what it's like if, if it's like. Uh, to to play in your French, comme si, comme ça. Because like I'm trying to, it's not my French. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to use other idioms because the first thing I thought of was goose who laid the golden egg mm. or like cash crop. Mm. Uh, but it's like your cash cow is like, this is the thing that's going to make us money. Exactly. I, I think that the the operative term is that easily makes a lot right, of money. Right, right, right. So you don't have to do a ton of work for a lot of return. Surprise, this is in reference to dairy cows. Yeah. Um, so many farms would specialize in dairy cows because milk production produced a steady stream of income without calling you to do a lot of work. I mean, other than take care of the cow. Yeah. So you don't have to plow a field to put a cow in it and get the milk. I mean, yes, but arguably I would say that dairy farmers are doing a lot more work than, say, anybody else. I don't know that day-to-day work that goes into it, but I guarantee they're working harder than I am. I mean, now that that having a dairy like farm means that you probably have seven several hundred head of yeah. cattle. I'm, I mean, and their butts too. If you just have the heads, no milk's coming out of there. So I, I think that nothing. Get, I thought I'd get a chuckle. Getting it easier would probably relate to people who had a few cows. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, this one is from Hannah B. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I have heard this switched, hand grenades and horseshoes. Well, so this is like if you said to somebody like, well, I was close. And they'd be like, well, that doesn't count. Count, it close only counts in uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. And I assume that this has to do with like there is a point scoring in horseshoes, like Mm -hmm. throwing horseshoes, where like the closest to the point gets it. And hand grenades... You don't have to be accurate because it's a big explosion. Right, exactly. Um, being nearly successful at something doesn't mean you were successful at right. something. <laughs> right, right, right. Like if you tried to land on the moon and you went past it and you're like, but I got really close to the moon. <laughs> that means you didn't succeed. Well, you didn't do it. In landing on the moon. Okay. Um, and it's actually pretty modern. The first person to ever say it was legendary baseball manager Frank Robinson. In an interview, he said, the full quote is, close don't count in baseball. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So he meant it literally, obviously, because like you said, in horseshoes, you get points for that. And, you know, hand grenades explode no matter uh, what you hit. Yeah. So Time Magazine printed this phrase in their 1973 interview. And it's just, you know. It's very folksy and wonderful. Sure is. Evocative. Indeed. Evocative. Okay, what's the next one? The next one is by Amanda C. Uh, The pot calling the kettle black. Okay, now this is, I recently had someone rip this wide open for me in a way that I never fully understood. But this is, the saying means, you would say it like if somebody blamed somebody or said like, that person... Uh, let's see, that person is rude. And it's like, well, no, you're the rude person and you're 
you have no right to kind of call them out for it because you do it too. Yes, because you do it all the time, right? Accusing someone of doing something that you do all the time. And I think that it is fair to say that one worries that this might be of racist origins, but it seems that it is literal. Okay, so it dates all the way back to the medieval period when cooking items were frequently made out of cast iron. Right. It was fashion at the time to use clever wordplay in novels and plays and, you know, things like that. And because black cast iron was a staple of many a medieval kitchen, uh, Cervantes thought it would be a clever phrase to include in his epic book, Don Quixote. I have heard of this, yes. Over time... The phrase has evolved into different shorthand, like takes one to no one or pot meat kettle or things like this. It also goes on, you know, it means Shakespeare used it and other yeah. famous, famous writer people. I heard somebody recently talk about how nowadays, and I, I mean, I've always thought about it as they were both black cast iron, right? So they're both equally bad. But somebody, I re- used the phrase recently and somebody said that it means like how a kettle is usually like polished. And a pot is usually the cat, so it's seeing its reflection oh. in it. And huh. like that makes sense to me too. Sure. Yeah. This one is Amanda C again. Beat around the bush. Okay, I know that what it means is you would say it like if somebody isn't getting to the point of what they're trying to ask. Like they came to ask you for money, and they're saying like, "Yeah, it's just great to see you," and "Oh, it's the good weather," and you're like, "Okay, stop beating around the bush and just get to it." But I have no idea where it comes from. That's exactly right. And again, medieval idiom. Um, It's a hunting tactic. Okay. So during medieval times, hunters hired men to literally beat the area around bushes with sticks in order to flush out the game that could be hiding in there. Um, It was important to never hit the bushes directly because, I mean, like, not only could you maybe hit or make the animal mad, um, but it would... It was not uncommon for someone to accidentally smack a bee's nest. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so beating around the bush is, you know, is great for hunting, but, you know, not bad, so not good for conversation. It is literally because you don't want to hit the bush directly. So you're beating around the bush in conversation because you don't want to hit the bush directly, which has the me. It's so rare to find an idiom where it is so literally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one-to-one describing. Right, because you don't want to hit the bush right on because there might be a bee's nest in it, just like you don't want to say the thing right on because it might be uncomfortable. Right. That's incredible. I don't know why that's blowing my mind so much, the idea that it would be so directly related to it. I've never thought about that before. Well, I, I didn't know what it means. So I, didn't, why, I didn't know either. Why would I think about it before? I mean, I knew we knew what it meant, but we didn't but know. But did we know what a capital M meant? meant? No. No. Let's do one more uh, before break. Okay. I was going to say we're only like 11 minutes. <laughs> the shortest schmanners ever. This is by from Kaya again. Donkey's years. Donkey's years? Mm-hmm. Y-E-A-R-S? Uh-huh. Not only do I not know where that's from, I've never heard that before. Um, I think I think I've heard it in a different way. Like, uh, let's see, something like I can't recall it. Something about eons. Anyway, here's the meaning: a very long time. Okay. Okay. For example, we've been friends for a donkey's years. This is a British idiom. Okay. 
Now I feel less bad about not having heard it. (laughs) It's probably a variation of 1920s slang. Okay. You know, the uh, apples and pears. Bob's your uncle. Hello, hello. That's not it. (laughs) Things like that, right? Um, Back then, donkey's ears was rhyming slang for years, implying that something took a long time because donkey ears are so famously long like that Nestor the long eared don- Christmas donkey Christmas donkey that fool yeah i mean that's the idea okay and so it's assumed that over time the word ears morphed into years which actually makes it make a little more sense to me because sure. it's long time sure. it's talking about time you know it's it's interesting right because we also say like Dog dog years? Yeah. So we would say like, or dog's age. I've heard that here. Maybe There that's it is. I think that's what a dog's age is yeah, what right? I've heard. Where I've heard someone say like, I haven't seen you in a dog's age because dogs age differently from humans. Oh, fun fact. Can I share this fun fact? Yeah. Dogs, people talk about dog years as like one human year is seven dog years, right? And what they're talking about is how a dog ages. But actually, dogs don't age uh, like in that regular fashion, just like humans don't. It if isn't th- evenly like that. Right. If you think about the difference between like a 10-year-old kid and a 20-year-old, like 20-year-old adult versus the difference between a 40-year-old and a 50-year-old, Right. There's a different growth here. So dogs actually age like 10 years in the first year, like nine years in the second year, like eight years in the second year. And then by the time they're like four, they then just age like five years comparatively to humans. So it's not just like seven, 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 seven. Mm -hmm. It's much more front loaded than that. Right. That has nothing to do with idioms. Just an interesting thing. Well, donkeys... Uh, have a fairly long lifespan for an animal, like 30 years or something. Mm. So, I mean, that also maybe contributes to the idiom. Oh, and you know what else? What? It's time to say thank you note to our sponsors. This week, we want to write a thank you note to Function of Beauty. We've all got goals. Be healthy. Find work-life balance, improve a relationship. But have you thought about your hair goals? Gosh knows I have. I've been working on hair goals since I was like four years old. And you know, the thing that I did not know I was missing until I was far too old was realizing that no matter how I styled it, if I didn't have the right product, it just wasn't going to work. And this is one of the reasons I love Function of Beauty because not only does Function of Beauty make amazing products, they make amazing products that are personalized for you. Function of Beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. I have slightly dry hair and a slightly dry scalp. I also have dye in my hair, so I need to make sure that whatever it is isn't gonna strip the dye out of there. And they're able to take care of that for me. Plus, it smells really good. So first, you take a quick but thorough quiz to tell them a little bit about your hair type and your hair goals, such as if you want a LinkedIn volume, oil control, whatever. And every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicon-free. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash schmanners to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customizable hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash schmanners to let them know we sent you and to get 20% off your order. That's functionandbeauty.com slash schmanners. 
We also want to write a thank you note to Sunbasket. Here in our house, you know, we got these two kids. We got two dogs. We got two adults. We have one kitty. And sometimes it's really easy for dinner planning to get away from us. Oh, boy. Oh, are there ever moments where Teresa and I look at each other and moments before dinner needs to be ready, we say, oh, no. What are we going to do for dinner? That's why having Sunbasket in the fridge is so amazing because you probably already know about Sunbasket as a, a meal subscription service that sends you all the ingredients you need. But did you know they can also help you get dinner on the table quickly without having to sacrifice nutrition and quality? Because now Sunbasket has fresh and ready meals that are just $8.99 and they are good for your body and your budget. Their chefs have won Michelin Awards and a James Beard Award, so why not take the night off and let them cook for you? You can try delicious meals that are prepped and ready to heat up in as little as six minutes, such as butter chicken with basmati rice pilaf, beef chili with cheddar and Greek yogurt, creamy mushroom penne with baby spinach and almonds. All those sound amazing, and my mouth is watering. So right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your first order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners at checkout for $35 off your order. sunbasket.com slash schmanners and enter promo code schmanners. Okay, what's the next idiom? All right, let's keep on trucking. Heath. Keep on trucking. Oh, idiom. Yep. Heath R. Submitted. Uh huh. A beef. A beef. To have a beef with. Mm -hmm. That one might beef. Now, I. I think think that we. Okay, to have beef is what we are going to single out on. Because I've also heard beefed, meaning fallen or. Being. Oh, I beefed it. Yeah, yeah not that. I've done a bad job. I, I, that might just be something me and my brother say. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real thing outside of macroy parlance. Who knows? They beefed it. But to have beef is to be to have a rivalry or to have some kind of grudge right. against people. And I don't know if it originated with this, but like I know that it was made famous by like uh, the rap scene. And by like gang culture, I think like mm-hmm. I, I that is primarily where I li- no hold on hold on Teresa's mm-hmm. saying give me a face like I'm wrong what is that? There are a couple of, of uh, touch points for this. Uh, firstly, we think that it's probably uh, more likely that this is it that beef became slang for to complain in the U.S. around the time of the First World War because it's thought that the term originated from complaints by soldiers about the poor quantity or quality of beef rations on the battlefield. So at that point, I guess it would be like the literal translation would be to take issue with. Right. To have issue with someone. Another possibility is that it dates all the way back to 1800s London. Apparently, crying hot beef rhymes with stop thief. And that was a common way for people to raise alarm to a shady situation. So over time, beef No, sorry, hold on. Hold on. To be clear, what you're saying is rather than yell stop thief, they would yell hot beef. And people would be like, hmm, (laughs) something nefarious. (laughs) Either either something nefarious is going on or that guy is selling hot beef. (laughs) (laughs) But over time... Beef became equated with shouting, thus morphing into the description of an argument. 
Uh, I side with the first one more. I, I do think. too. I do too. Hot beef. Hot beef. Oh no, he's in trouble or he's hungry. <laughs> I love it. All I right. love it. Next one from Hot Beef. What's wrong? No, it's just my beef burn my tongue. <laughs> this beef is hot. Are you done? Yeah. From Jocelyn P. Red herring. Okay, so I know that this is a very popular uh, term in murder mysteries, mm-hmm. in whodunits specifically, where a red herring is a term used for a clue given that seems important but actually has no uh, impact on the case. Okay. So it might be like, uh, oh, they, and they found that cigarette butt with the lipstick on it. And then they mentioned that like six or seven times, but it, then it's just like, oh, that was just there because this person smokes that kind of cigarette and they were there the day before and it actually is not a clue to the case at all. Exactly. But it's usually used by writers mm-hmm. to distract the reader and not make it too easy to solve the case. So the detective probably knows it's not important, but you, the reader, might get really hung up on it. Perhaps. So herring, if you don't know, is a small fish native to the North Atlantic, and they turn red when you smoke them, which is how most people eat them. There was abundance and abundance of them long ago in New England, and the settlers would go, um, would take them with them when hunting and would leave these fish along the trail that they were taking because the strong fish smell would confuse the wolves that might want to follow the hunting party and steal the kill. So it was literally misdirecting clues. Right, laying a false trail. Oh my goodness gracious. This is right up there with beat around the bush. Sure is. Oh, it is literally a red herring is literally a clue left behind to distract someone who might be following, like, a case. Yeah. This is incredible, and I can't get my voice to lower an octave. <laughs> How about another one from Jocelyn I'm P? I'm losing it. Okay. All right. Let's see if this one is as literal. A wild goose chase. Okay. So this would mean, like, if somebody sent you to get something that they did not expect you to actually be able to achieve, uh, or sent you on, let's say, an errand, um, like if they said, oh, I want you to go get me this special kind of pastry when you know nowhere in town sells that pastry. Okay, yeah, a pointless pursuit right. of something. Right, and I've also heard this as like kind of a time waster sure. type idea, like a snipe hunt. Sure, sure, sure. Because there's no such thing as a, as a snipe, yeah. right? Yeah. I thought you would have a story or something. You think I've been on a snipe hunt before? Yeah. What kind? Hey, what kind of person do you think I am? I've never been on a hunt, let alone a snipe hunt. All right. Anyway, if someone said, "Hey, do you want to go hunt a snipe?" I would be like, "No, video games exist." <laughs> this could I be napping instead? Thank you. All right. This phrase probably comes from horses. Wait. Probably some, not geese. Not geese. Some sort of 16th century horse racing slang. Back then, the wild goose chase was a race in which the lead rider would be pursued by the other riders in a sort of V shape that oh, like geese a flying usually, V yeah, for geese. that geese okay. normally fly in. So over time, it meant a race or pursuit where the leader was already set or the outcome already determined. So you already 
knew what was going to happen, right? And this is illustrated in the in um, Romeo and Juliet, uh-huh. where uh, Mercutio uses the phrase to describe Romeo's jokes, right? Because he already, already knows the punchlines. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So I guess it's less less like a a. I I mean it is kind of a pointless pursuit, right? Because if you're if you're chasing the lead horse and you know you're not going to beat him, I don't know. It seems to me like there would be a potential though, where if it was like this is the fastest horse, get out there, and then like your <laughs> horse wins, and I'm just like, oh wow, what a wild goose upset! Indeed, an upset goose. An upset goose, it's or not- is it at that point a team goose? Because the wild goose lost, and a team goose won. Mm. I don't know. Do you think that there's ever a time when actual geese are flying in a V, and one of the geese is like back on one of the sides, is like, "I want to be up there." No, hey, Doug, <laughs> can we trade? And Doug's like, "You don't know the way there." I'm like, "You don't know the way there, Doug. We're both geese." They do trade, in fact, but they trade. well, that doesn't work for the joke, though, does right. it? Right, they trade because the hardest place to be is at the top of that V, because your the other places are being are drafting from uh-huh. the first goose. So if they're flying a long time and they have the first goose, they trade out so that everybody gets a turn being at the hardest part. Yeah, but that doesn't work for the joke, though, does it? Doesn't work. But I'm just saying that, man, ooh, I wonder how big they can get. How about that? Do you okay. think that there's lowercase and capital Vs? Sure. I'm kidding. Not even a chuckle. All right. Here's uh, one from Kimberly D. and her daughter Tegan. The phrase highbrow and lowbrow. So this is, I usually hear it in uh, relation to comedy. Okay. But I think it can go with a lot of things where it's about like highbrow is usually a little more uh, intellectual a little more maybe challenging, maybe even a little drier, where lowbrow is a little bit more like, if you're talking about comedy, think like slapstick or fart jokes, where it's a little sillier, it's a little more juvenile. Sure. So let's say, to condense that, that highbrow is fancy and refined. Sure. Whereas lowbrow is low class or crass. Sure. So... Alex put in the notes here that um, Kimberly and Tegan submitted it because they had an inkling that it was problematic, and they're kind of right. So Dr. Franz Joseph Gall coined the phrase in 1875 because he was a phrenologist, okay? There's a really awesome sawbones about this. Phrenology is the study of the brain and believing that you can, like— Diagnose or like not predict the, not the brain. Oh, sorry, the skull. The skull. The skull that you yes. can feel like bumps in the skull and ridges in the skull and be like, oh, that's why you're a good athlete or whatever. Well, not only that, but it indicated intelligence. Uh huh. Right. And this was used by people, right, to say like, well, that's why this race is superior because of the shape of their skull compared to this other race whose skull isn't shaped that way. Indeed. Uh, He came up with the theory that people with higher foreheads were more intelligent than people with low foreheads. Uh Uh-huh. 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 I bet he had a high forehead. Just a guess. (laughs) Um, And guess what? Back then, it was common for um, racists to depict African-Americans with lower foreheads. Uh-huh. 
So it's not a big leap to think about how this completely incorrect pseudoscience could have been used to persecute the black community. Ugh. Okay. So, you know, maybe maybe don't use it anymore. Yeah, maybe let's stop using that one. All right. Here is <laughs> here is a um a heading that Alex calls idioms from all over the world or just from people's cute grandmas. Okay. <laughs> oh man, she's great. Okay, so an Austrian idiom from Diana was Dost ist night mein Bier. That is not my beer? Exactly. Meaning that's not my problem. Oh, okay. I like that. And you can put that with this is sausage to me, mm-hmm. and that's not my beer. You yep. know what I mean? Like, hey man, uh do you want to drink this beer? Do you care? Is it sausage to me? That's not my beer. Not my beer. Amanda C, you know, in addition to giving us some great idiom suggestions, uh included the German version of Stop Beating Around the Bush, which is Reed Neigt um den Heiben Briherum. I have no idea. What's that? What translate that, please? Uh, stop talking around the hot mash. Huh. Okay. Okay. But it means the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Do you think it's about mashed potatoes? I mean, I hope it's about mashed potatoes. Okay. Mash is also what you use, I believe, in making whiskey. But I don't think and it's that. No beer, right? Is whiskey it? and beer. Yeah. In in concocting brews. Yes. Um, Jesse P's grandma. Uh, used to describe something moving very quickly as like a chicken on a June bug. Huh. Okay. Mm. Now, you know what I bet that is? Okay. That is not a chicken riding a June bug. That is a chicken chasing a June bug to eat it. Yes. Okay. Yes, I think so. Where my brain first went, though, (laughs) was the image of a chicken (laughs) riding a June bug. Standing on a tiny bug. (laughs) I don't think that would go very fast then. No, but in my mind, it was funny and fast (laughs) and a little erratic, and I was enjoying it immensely. Here's a, a nice Have I ever list. said the one my dad used to say? Finer, oh. finer than frog's hair? Oh, yes. You have said that. On this but show? But do talk about it again. Well, because the frog's hair is so fine you can't even see it. So yeah. you're finer than frog's hair. Yeah. Or you're, you're more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Uh-huh. You said that one, too. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to get your tail squished. What about finer than a frog's hair split four ways? Yeah, I've never said that in my life. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now throw your hat over the fence. Have I talked about that yep, one? Yeah, okay. you have. We okay, have. well, all right, mm-hmm. all right. Okay. You better think of some new ones. I can't just make up <laughs> new folksy sayings from my childhood. What about, have we talked about fiddly farting? Fiddly farting, I don't think that that's, a, I think just one time my dad couldn't think of the word farting. And we were like fighting in the back seat, I think. And Turner said, you... Boy, stop feeling farting around right there. And we all three stopped. I said, like, fiddly farting. <laughs> and he was like, duh, just stop. I'm like, no, hold on. Fiddly farting? What does that mean? And we were all instantly very just like zoned in on like, no, 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 no. We're not fighting anymore. That's done. <laughs> Tell me about fiddly farting. Can you explain any of that to me? Uh, but and- he was he was mad, and I think he was especially mad that he had then said Philly Varden, and now we were kind of ribbing him, and, and he just wanted to be a man dad. Yeah. But instead he said the phrase Philly Varden. This is from Rhiannon B, and these are uh, uh, some Australian slang. So a pub is called a boozer. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's uh, dead on. Squiz means 
look, like take a squiz of this. That's so fun. That is fun. Um, and calling a sausage a mystery bag. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that does make sense because well, don't ask how the sausage is made. No, I get that. I get that. But if somebody said, hey, do you want to eat a mystery bag? It's far less appetizing. Far less appetizing. I was talking about this recently because uh, we have watched Ted Lasso straight through now like 14 times. And I'm sad that we have not here in the US of A adopted a nicknaming convention that they do in Britain where if somebody's name is like Jerry or Barry or whatever that you could say like Jezza or Baz mm-hmm. where they use like the Z in there. I want that. I would like that. We'll we'll file a complaint. You could be Tez. I mean, in that in that because Teresa, be. you could be Tez. I'm just saying. How fun is that? Uh, I mean, it's it's fun. I like. I it's like pretty it. Fun. Okay. Um, here's the best one. The one that Alex liked the most and singled out. Um, a brown eyed mullet. Excuse Mm-hmm. Say say again. Alex thought perhaps a brown eyed mullet was a type of snake. Uh, in in a. A uh, kind of benevolent universe, I thought of a kind of fish. Okay, yeah, that's closer than a snake. What is it? Because there's so many terrible <laughs> things it could be. It's what you call a turd in the sea where you're swimming. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, th- it does not go on to describe from whence the turd came, and but I have to assume that if it's big enough for you to see it, it's probably a person turd. I mean, I remember when this show used to be about Aiken Manners and not about turds. I mean, it has. we have talked about farting before. That's true. Anyway. That's very true. Nicola Kay sent in some Scottish idioms, and I'm going to try my best uh, because they actually wrote them out for us. Um, so, dinna teach yet granny to suck eggs. Don't teach your granny to suck eggs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, don't give advice that you already have. So don't give advice to me that I already have. Okay. Um, it's a fair. It's a sare fight for half a loaf. I don't know. Putting in a lot of effort and getting less of what you hope back. Uh, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. So you're you're putting in a lot of work to get half a loaf back, right? right. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard this one. You make a better door than a windy. Oh, I love that one. Usually when someone's standing betwixt you and the television. (laughs) Indeed. Um, Here's a French one from Stephanie S. Je donne ma langue au chat. Uh, I don't know. I give my tongue to the cat. Which which means I give up or I'm done guessing. Okay, so kind of like cat's got your tongue, like I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um... But, like, so it is related to the cat got your tongue because the French phrase means I have nothing more to say. Right, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I'm going to stop talking now. Right, exactly. So even if the cat has got your tongue because you can't think of anything to say or you give your tongue to the cat because you're done talking. All right, that's going to do it for us. I love these. It's not my beer. It's not my beer. Mm-hmm. Goes right up there with me now. I'm adding that one. This is sausage to me. me. Um, That's going to do it for us. Thank you, Alex, our researcher, without whom we would not be able to make the show. And thank you to everybody who sent in idioms. If you have idioms, you can email us asking us about them. Email us at schmanderscast at gmail.com. Oh, what was the one that we had that we said? Oh, keep on trucking? Keep on trucking. Mm -hmm. Which I assume has to do with like 
trucking. Cross-country like, deliveries. Yeah. Um, so uh, email us. Uh, we also have Twitter, at SchmannersCast. And when we call for questions, that is where that will be. Um, let's see. Thank you to Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Go check out all the other amazing shows there. And you can also check out all the other McElroy projects at McElroy.family, as well as checking out all the amazing merch at McElroyMerch.com. Who else do we thank, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art, again, at SchmannersCast. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover banner of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Go ahead and join that group if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fanners. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners, get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.